you hear about it every episode. One of the GLG's missions is to give you real talk about the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. But part of being real and authentic about highly functioning teams is taking a long, hard look at the dark mirror image, the opposite side of a supportive, uplifting guild. It can be a tough subject to tackle, but tackle it we will. And to lighten the mood a bit, we're also going to talk about the movie Mean Girls. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. So one of the main tenets of this podcast is that we discuss the power and the impact of highly effective teams, and it's important for us to focus on that word, impact. Is the team's impact striving for the greater good, balancing the needs of all, or is the team instead focused on self-preservation or managing perception or even something darker? The world brought to life on the silver screen by comedic mastermind and queen bossy pants herself, Tina Fey. Mean Girls invites us into this den of viciousness that can manifest when power dynamics are at play. Even the best teams can be corrupted if we lose ourselves to power and self-interest. So our intention with this episode is to open the burn book and divulge the secrets of the anti-team. Plus, we will share useful strategies that we've used to check ourselves and ensure that we aren't on a collision course with the yellow school bus of negativity (laughs) and dysfunction. (laughs) I just gotta say, I love that intention. Oh, man, that's one of the better ones. The yellow school bus, you can just picture it in your head. Yeah, and I didn't realize how much of a bookend that was in Mean Girls. I took this most recent viewing of it in order to make that clear to me. Oh, yeah. That's the thing that keeps coming up as like the ultimate you're in trouble, Mean Girls. Yep. Plastics. <laughs> All right. So, team, let's talk about the plastics. Let's talk about the dark side of the guild. Casey, you're usually going back to pop culture playground. You're usually our introducing of the concept person. So if you can do a quick Mean Girls summation for anybody who sadly wouldn't have watched it yet. So for those of you that don't remember or have not seen the 2004 cult classic, girl world classic Mean Girls, it stars Lindsay Lohan, Tina Fey, Rachel McAdams, a slew of other really SNL graduates. Amy Poehler has a cameo, Tim Meadows. And it tracks the world of Katie, who has just returned from Africa with her parents. She lived a very sheltered homeschool life. And she goes to high school for the first time. And she meets a group of the quote-unquote popular girls led by Regina George and her two sidekicks and is thrust into this world of wanting to be popular but going about it in a really, really dark way. And so essentially what happens is Katie has to balance what she initially was trying to do and trying to connect and trying to be a part of this group, but eventually becomes the thing that she is trying to fight against with Regina George and her negativity. 
And I forgot that its home base is Chicagoland area. Yep. That's the the North Shore area of Chicago is where it's fictionally set, right? Yeah, bringing it back home. Yep. And as I'm sure so few of our listeners are aware, we are all Chicagoland area locals. So it's nice to see some of those local little film spots and call-outs. But niceness aside, let's get into the nasty stuff here. All right, so... Sorry, was that gross? <laughs> so yeah, let's get into it then. Let's talk about how a guild, we've been talking so much about the positives of a guild, but let's talk about how a guild would become the plastics. What are some of the things that we think creates that vibe? And for those of you that don't remember where that phrase comes from, that's what the girl group in the film is known as at their school is they're plastic they're artificial they're slick they're gorgeous and clean and really carbon copies of each other so that everything bounces off of them too like nothing gets them the first one that we've got is that we're a product of our environment and that can't be more true than when you think of regina george and her mom right yes (laughs) so her mom is an interesting that's played by amy poehler and her mom let's just say isn't the person who would parent in the best of ways i'm not a regular mom i'm a cool (laughs) mom mom. (laughs) yeah when she She, brings them the the mocktails and they ask is there alcohol in this oh no but but if you want some i'd rather you do it in the house (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's clearly no rules and Regina can do whatever she wants. They're like, oh my gosh, this is your room. She's like, nah, I kicked my mom and dad out. It's mine now. She's in the master bedroom of the house. So she's the product of an environment with no boundaries, no rules. And of course, you're going to run wild. Well, and it's where appearances are valued. If you recall from the movie, mom had some modifications done. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So much so that she couldn't feel when she was being attacked by the dog. Oh, Um, Oh, no. So when your team is living in that world of either negativity or where perception really is what's most important, that's what you're going to outwardly display to other people. Yeah. And honestly, people tend to flex to their environment too, even if they aren't like brought up or as a product of that. I think a lot of teams come into things with pure intentions. And I think a lot about Lindsay Lohan's character, Katie, in this, where she's pure of heart at the start. She's really trying to fit in and make friends and just learn about her environment and learn about everybody. And she's really trying. But as soon as she gets in with the plastics, it's like virtually impossible for her to not flex to the other members of that group. And she ends up acting as bad as any of them by the end of the movie. Well, even too, when she falls for and has the crush on Aaron, the Regina George love interest in and out of the movie, she dumbs herself down. Katie's this expert in math, but feels like the only way to get close to Aaron and get his attention is to dumb herself down, ask for help. Oh, I totally don't get this. And I love her interior monologue of, wrong wrong. (laughs) it's just humorous so she knows what she's doing but yet is able to be whatever that person wants her to be and that's just a recipe for going dark or if your team does that quite often you have to really be cognizant of that because you teeter on that lack of genuineness and authenticity 
right? If you're mm-hmm. really able to flex and you lose that real key thing to what you are and what you stand for, it's those values pieces again, you run the risk of going a little bit too far and forgetting who you are. Yeah, the human side of things, oftentimes we just naturally want to assimilate or adapt to our surroundings. So it's really important to recognize what those surroundings are. What is our environment? Is this positive or is this toxic? If it's positive, that's one thing. That's great. But if it is toxic, you have to be very diligent in reflecting on how you are a part of that environment and are you assimilating in the way you should or shouldn't be. Yeah. And I think we need to point out too that it is hard. Yeah. I think a lot of people fear retribution or that unhealthy cycle of shame and blame that we've mentioned in some other episodes before. And really, like when you think about how many of you have been personally victimized by Regina George, like people are afraid of being not like physically harmed, but like of being socially harmed. And I think that in a guild that's becoming dysfunctional, there's that fear of retribution or social harm. You don't want to be left out. You want to be in on everything and you don't want to be excluded or heard or talked about. And I think that it can be hard to be the person who checks the values. So it is so much easier and so much more human to flex. Mm -hmm. What's next? So I think we need to talk to people who might be in a guild. If you're taking that reflective practitioner look at yourself and your teammates, how do you know if you're a plastic? How do you know if your guild is not working? What are some of the things that you would see? I think first off, if you look at, to use the Mean Girls metaphor, you've got the queen bee. The whole film was based off of a book. And you've got social hierarchy. Like there is inequities between the group. It's not a complete collective round table system. Whereas somebody is in charge and everybody else operates wanting to either please that person or runs headlong first into some sort of goal out of fear, like you were saying, Emily, with retribution. And that kind of brings back the mean girls quote, you can't sit with us, that you are not on the same level as us. Yeah. What are some of the other, I guess, symptoms of plastic guilds group think yep oh. <laughs> group yes. think for sure when they're sitting there and on wednesdays we wear pink <laughs> and i love that <laughs> katie borrows her friend's pink shirt that's it's like a polo shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's trying to fit in by we're gonna all dress the same or you can only wear sweatpants on fridays and i'm just laughing but they're the only things that fit <laughs> yes <laughs> there's no individuality there it's also just having to again once again assimilate to what the group has established as the way it has to be, and there's no diversity there. Not only that, but two, there's no butting of heads. You're not willing to step up and say, hmm, why don't we rethink that? Or why do we want to do it this way? There's no testing. It just even like the ability to debate anything, like to assume that discourse equals discord is a right. mistake. Right. And I think that a lot of dysfunctional teams, yeah, okay, uh huh, yeah, let's do that. Great idea. But like, don't actually challenge anything or ask any, even any of the questions that one could ask. As coaches, our bread and butter is asking questions to help folks streamline their thoughts. But if there were dysfunctional groups, a lot of those really key questions to help people think through problems processes or decisions don't ever get asked they just die before they leave anybody's mouth because they're too either too afraid or just don't want to step out of line or just 
maybe they don't even think it's worth the effort. Like there's something causing that dysfunction and keeping them from speaking up. A sub part of that ties into another element of how you know your plastic is if you don't tell the truth. Like you could be feeling that Mm -hmm. desire for disagreement and you just sit back and withhold information, whether that information is your opinion or something that the group really, really needs to know, but you don't want to tell the group because of fear what the end result would end up being. Oh, yeah. All through the movie, you see this, too. Like, she is lying about protein bars. Like, is butter a carb? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. You should eat that. You know, and like, she's just, like, treating everybody so badly. And even the stuff about being interested in Aaron Samuels, like you mentioned. Yeah. Like, she doesn't tell anybody that. Right. Lies about why she hangs out with Janice and Damien. Just all of it. Just withholding information and changing stories. Like, dishonesty in some ways. Withholding information damages a group and so does out and out misdirection we've heard since we were children to be honest honest Mm -hmm. about what you want and what you think and who you are but when you get into that situation of a plastic guild Mm -hmm. sometimes you're doing that for self-preservation it's not something you want to do but all of a sudden you find yourself doing it right and when someone in your team makes that bid or tries to be vulnerable and they're met with the group think the inequality and the withholding of information that's really when you know that you're in a dysfunctional relationship if just the sheer act of vulnerability on your team creates mockery or creates some sort of oh, i can't believe you did that or or just you get the sense for someone has sucked all the air out of the room. That's a telltale sign that you are in a plastic team. Right. I know there's so many dysfunctional team examples and mean girls. Are there any others that we're forgetting here? There's the relational aggression. So we mentioned in the overview, (laughs) the the intro, the burn book. So that burn book does some damage, doesn't it? The way Regina manipulates even that moment at the end where she's scribbling in the book, like this is the worst person ever, and puts her own face in it to make it seem like it wasn't her thing, that is just a mastermind behind the darkness. If you are manipulating perception to make yourself the good guy on your team, you're going back and trying to gather your troops before This is sometimes how girls build relationships with each other, right? Like you will negatively make comments about another girl in order to create unity, right? Sometimes that happens in schools where you have the popular team that everyone wants to be a part of and you're willing to climb over those tried and true hard ass working teachers in order to be a part of that popular group. And at the end of the day, you have to remember why you're doing what you're doing. Another thing I was thinking a little bit about was being pigeonholed, too. So, like, people being stereotyped into just having one thing or only one thing that they do or one narrative that they believe. Regina's always in charge, but then when she flips the script with the burnt book, it's like, oh, I'm the victim. And then Karen's always the stupid one. And they're always just like pigeonholing people into these perceptions or stereotypes about them. And there's really no ability for them to break out of that as long as they're together. The fact that their group depends on them to be 
that person and play that role and only that role really limits them and it keeps Katie from being successful at math and it keeps them from having other friends or relationships that they might want. And it builds up resentment. It's why Janice gets so mad at her to begin with and why she really enlists Katie's help to try to bring down Regina George because Regina has this narrative of who Janice is and why she was so upset that she got a boyfriend in middle school when that wasn't it at all. She just wanted to hang out with her friend who dumped her on the side of the road. So, Emily, I love that you brought up that pigeonholing, that only seeing one side of one person's story can really damage and create a lot of dysfunction within a team. It actually shows something really cool towards the end when they become seniors and mm-hmm. they break free from those stereotypes or those pigeonholes that they were and they actually grow and become more mature and they're happier and the overall <laughs> then they end up looking at the new plastics that are juniors. It's just, in- <laughs> it's just interesting that you need a little bit of effort to understand that people are complex. Right. And they're not just one thing. And we have to be more accepting of that to really function in high teammanship. For sure. Again, it's one thing to be leaning into your strengths. But if you're seeing that your guild really has one specific role for you or for somebody else that they are never invited to step out of or away from, this person always does this. This person always has this. Like, again, we do the things that we're good at. But if you're never allowed to grow or never pushed or challenged to grow, that seems to me like you might be looking at moving towards the plastic side of things. Any other ways to know if a guild is plastic? Yeah. (laughs) I had heard the term gaslighting before. I only learned what it was during a conversation with my therapist, (laughs) where it's where somebody makes you feel like you're the problem, that there's something wrong with the way you're feeling. It's a type of an emotional abuse strategy. And this is what, unfortunately, dark guilds will do to try to keep and manipulate other people. So for example, in Mean Girls, when I forget the other friend's name. Damien. Damien. It's when they do the secret Santa and he's delivering canes. You go, Glen Coco. Uh, you go, Glen Coco. <laughs> yeah. As he's delivering out candy canes, he's delivering one to everybody and none for Gretchen Wiener. <laughs> and it makes yes. Gretchen feel like she did something wrong. And this is her fault. The way everything is going downhill and spiraling, that's gaslighting. And the way that Katie and Damien and Janice have really become plastic themselves, they're doing the exact same thing that they're trying to fight Regina and her crew in doing. Yeah. It's that idea of putting almost like a mental dysfunction on somebody else for having a strong feeling or having a strong opinion. And again, I think back to what you said earlier about Janice and Regina, like that, why are you so obsessed with me? Like, no, not really. But when you put that strong, almost dare I say, crazy on somebody else for Mm -hmm. having a really strong opinion or just any opinion at all. Oh, right. Yeah. Like that's a really strong sign of gaslighting. Often it happens as well when you see people that are very overly concerned with perception Mm -hmm. or trying to manage perception. And if someone is going against what you're hoping that perception would be, you sense to undermine it. Yeah. And that's when the gaslighting occurs. Mm -hmm. Really, why are we talking about this so much? We have to talk about it. If you only talk about the good, the happy, the functional, the 
things that improve us, it's impossible to continue to be self-critical and self-reflective. I think everybody needs to be aware that their actions and their words in their guild have impact and could push them one direction or another. To me, this is where, and I have this in my notes, and I appreciate you both letting me say it. When your guild goes dark, this is where learning and innovation go to die because you're so busy and so focused on managing that, like you said, Jenny, managing that perception, you're not focusing on the real work of helping your adults or helping your students within your system. Yeah, and we've talked from episode one on, we've talked about so much of what our purpose here is to help people become better at teaming, stronger at teaming, identify when teaming is great, that going along with both of what you're saying is when we can identify these things that aren't so great and we make them transparent and we don't ignore them and we acknowledge them, that's how we can grow. But if we just ignore them or put them in where we can't see anything, then how are we going to improve and where are we going to find the time to be able to do the real work, as you say, Casey? And to frame it back in Mean Girls terms, when things start becoming better for them is when the burn book comes out, Right. everybody loses it for a while and it's very <laughs> upset at each other. And there's some active, uncomfortable growth. They right. have that whole session in the gym where they're talking to each other and telling each other the truth and working to move on from this thing. And yes, some people get punished. Some people get angry. Some people might not be friends anymore or look at each other the same way anymore, but they do some hard, uncomfortable work and things improve. I think that we need to also make a point to talk about this because things can improve. Right. For any guild, even a plastic guild, I think you just have to be willing to do the hard and uncomfortable work and have some tough conversations to move things back to that functional place. Hopefully in a manner that is different than the burn book. Hopefully, <laughs> a little bit yes. more kind kinder than the a little more professional and less immature (laughs) right (laughs) no need to set off the sprinkler system in the building (laughs) right just love to bring the the bat out no 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 baseball bat all right so let's talk more about that we were getting into a little bit about what you need to do to get out of this place so let's talk about what are those hacks or those takeaways let's say you even saw one aspect of yourself or your guild in what we just talked about with how you you know your plastic what can you do how do you move away from it we've talked several times in other episodes i'm thinking of plc traffic jam from season one about this idea of owning and living norms you even saw us live by those in our summer playground pop culture series we had some norms as well to help keep us on track again we've talked about how they get a bad rap or people think they're corny or hey we're too adult we don't need these but really they help putting a couple of norms together that the group decides on collectively. It's not one person putting the hammer down on what we should be doing, but drafting those together and using and living by them because that's going to help keep you on the straight and narrow, especially if your team is working through being more productive. There are a couple of ways to bring up those norms. If you want them to be productive, you can go the mean girls route and call everybody out to the carpet right in front of the entire team. 
or probably the more professional way of doing it is having a trusted colleague have that conversation. If you're sensing in that moment, we're veering off track, we're veering away from those norms, having that as a private conversation to really be helpful. Because personally, for me, the number one hack is to steal a phrase, I'm noticing, (laughs) I wonder what it would be like if can really help bring that conversation into a more productive and positive space versus you're really starting to talk like a plastic. (laughs) Not super productive because instantly that person goes into that defensive state. So if you know anything about nonviolent communication styles, you really have to talk about this is what I'm observing and this is the impact it is having on me. And so here are some things that I feel would be helpful to get our team moving forward. So using some nonviolent communication strategies can also help dial the guild into a space that's more productive. Mm-hmm. And Casey, as you're talking there, that nonviolent communication, just clarifying, you're talking less about being passive aggressive, you're still right. being direct, but using language that will get somebody off of the defensive and be willing to learn, right? Because it comes from this approach, it's a mindfulness practice, like nonviolent communication is part of the study of mindfulness. And it's all about tapping into people's innate instinct to help and be good. We as people, according to the theory behind it, we have this innate desire to be helpful to our fellow humans. So if you approach the conversation from that space of, this is what I'm observing, this is what would help me, and most of the time that person is willing to meet you where they're at because you've made expectations clear, you've set those norms in that private conversation. So... What else? What other things can we give people to move those guilds back into more productive spaces? Being prepared to have difficult conversations, doing that preparation in advance, not speaking at the heat of the moment, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. we saw when the burn book was released, not reacting from that state of anger, but really thinking, why is this bothering me and preparing for those challenging conversations in advance. Another thing I want to mention is opening up your guild a little bit. A lot of times you're, as we mentioned in Traffic Jam, your PLC is your PLC or your group is your group. But we've mentioned before that your guild can be your guild across time and space. And we Mm -hmm. want to consider the idea of opening up your guild beyond just the people that you see or that you talk to every single day and maybe just opening it up a bit. Like I'm thinking of how the Mathletes team and Katie, I love Kevin G, by the way, but like, <laughs> I super love Kevin G. But <laughs> it's really important that she meets these other friends that share this interest, this skill, this talent of hers, and that things start to go better for all of those girls in the plastics when they open up their circle and meet other people and expand their practice beyond just the same interactions with the same people. That well, gets you out gets of that out group of that. think. Oh, yeah. I beat you to it. Exactly. <laughs> well, because that's what forces her metacognitive moment when she is going through. There is no limit where she's talking to herself about this girl that's sitting across mm-hmm. the table. It's what like unlodges and unlocks her brain. And you can see more clearly that this is not a positive direction for us to go as a group. Yeah. Dang, Jenny, you're, you beat me to it. On Fast that tonight. Usually it's you guys who <laughs> keep me on my toes. Don't worry, everyone. It's not group think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then too, Emily, this has been helpful as well for me. 
recognizing what is really within my control. I cannot control the way other people feel. I really shouldn't be (laughs) trying to control what other people think. It's just letting me know what do I have power over in this scenario. At the end of the day, it's my actions. And so you have to make that intentional choice to continue down the plastic path or to find a better way or a different way. Anything else? Sometimes you need a member to come in, maybe a facilitator of sorts or somebody from the outside to help you work through those things, whether that's a team building or bringing people individually out of that group to talk through some of the struggles that they're having. Somebody who's non-biased and trustworthy in uh, my coaching role, I've had to do that. And it's not necessarily instructional coaching, Mm -hmm. but it has helped work through other groups because it's something that they're like, hey, we just need another set of eyes and you're trustworthy and how Mm -hmm. could we do this better? So that's another option is looking within your system or seeing who else is out there that has the facilitative skills to help people work through some things with a non-judgmental lens. Yeah, it's that mediator. Mm -hmm. You need Mrs. Norbury. (laughs) 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 So we knew when we designed this episode, right, we were going to teeter a fine line. We were going to teeter the both dark and the light at the same time. I think with our hack, we brought things over back into the land of the light. But we wouldn't be your guild if we did not do a fun game that ties into our theme. So as you know, we have really been focused on Mean Girls tonight. And that fun will not end. So our game today is we are going to do a matchy-matchy Mean Girls edition. And so each of us has, for our listeners out there, a piece of paper and a writing utensil. And (laughs) Emily is going to speak the questions. And we're going to try to match one another's answers to see if we've got groupthink or if we're doing a good job creating enough cognitive difference within where we all are. Have a game, have some laughs, find out if we are plastic. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) So are we saying we want to match, although we're contradicting ourselves in everything else we've talked about in this episode? All right. No need to thought spiral. (laughs) Let's just see if we can... (laughs) If we can match each other on this. All right. So the first thing we will attempt to match each other on is what do you think is the most quotable Mean Girls moment or line? All right. Ready? One, two, three. I, I, Did you not write it yet? No. <laughs> do your homework. <laughs> Please hold. This is unlike Casey. She's usually the one that's always prepared. Okay. I'm good. All right, so what do you think is the most quotable line or the most quotable moment from that movie? We're going to one, two, three, and then we're going to hold it up so that we all can see if we match. And then listeners, we will tell you how we did or did not do. Ready? One, two, three. Hold it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no matches. (gasps) Yours are so good. None. (laughs) Well, I'll just go first because we already said ours in the. I had this written out ahead of time, but we already said it in the episode. But the I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Was mine. (laughs) Yeah, I think once you become a mom, that one gets into your repertoire. Can't help but like think it. I had severe quote block. Like I could not think of anything 
But in my previous life, very frequently, the phrase, you go, Clen Coco, was very <laughs> regularly repeated when you were providing accolades and kudos to someone. You go, Glenn so. Coco. Uh, and mine was, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> like... That's so fetch. <laughs> she just yells at Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> like, it just, to me, it's just like, stop forcing it. Just stop. <laughs> hey, there That's we the are. We're not it. group thinking. No, no we are not. We're All right. Although so the point of the game was two, but. <laughs> <laughs> not following rules, but we are not plastic. All right. Sweet. Okay. So the second one, we're focusing on the adults in the film, which we've mentioned a few of them. So who is the best scene stealer adult character in the movie so, so no teenagers we're going for who's the best adult and who steals the scenes all right so one two three hold it up tim meadows tim meadows everyone but me <laughs> yeah tim all right <laughs> yeah i love jenny so that you had a quote on there you see which yeah. one it is <laughs> Oh, so, hell no. I didn't leave I, the South Side for this. That's a Chicago yeah. reference. <laughs> Do I get to give half of a uh, point for putting a quote on mine, too, even though I didn't have the yes, same adult? of course. Yes. Because I put Jenny's quote, I'm not a regular mom, I'm a cool, a cool mom, mom, under Amy Poehler, who I picked. I'm like, oh, my gosh. She is... Oh, and by the way, like, this is such a random movie trivia, but wasn't she, like, really close in age with Rachel, Rachel McAdams. McAdams, who played yeah. her daughter in the movie? Like, I just remember that being a thing. But I almost chose her. She was so, Tim. So she good. was so but, good. But, Tim but to me, the quote about his nephew, Anthony, just makes me <laughs> oh, die <laughs> each time. Like, and I don't think I realized or appreciated him when I saw the movie the first time. But as a teacher coming back to watch it, I'm like, he is just that North Star awesome in that movie. It's so funny. He's just talking about his carpal tunnel when they ask how his summer went. <laughs> it's so funny. Did they ever explain what happened to his hand? It was carpal tunnel surgery, I think. <laughs> That's That's such a teacher happened. injury. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And it, like, totally encompasses why, like, teenagers might think all the adults in their school are super boring. But he's so funny. <laughs> funny. <laughs> all right. Last one. So we've talked about the plastic of the plastics, but let's humanize them a little bit. Which one of the gang, the plastics, do you think is the most human or humanized character? So one, two, three. Hold it up. Karen! Oh, I'm out again. <laughs> Beach and I are on point tonight. Usually we are not in sync, but we are. Dang, I'm going rogue on you. <laughs> All right. So uh, why Gretchen, ladies? She has just this innate desire, this yearning to be accepted, that you can really see why she did what she did, why she played a hand in the burn book, why she follows Regina. She just craves real connection and intimacy because everyone thinks that oh she's just so rich that it's just she's on this pedestal and all she wants to do is be liked i could actually see myself in some weird way hanging out with her if she were to let down all of that over glamorized stuff because she is she's human she wants to be a friend she wants to be accepted i am gretchen wieners <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the one calling someone. Why are they mad at me? <laughs> she mad at me. 
I will at least explain my controversial opinion of yes. Karen being the most human plastic. I think I can back this up. So at the end of the movie, when they all move on to their other things, everybody else finds another way of channeling their stuff in a way that's not the manipulation of another social group, except for Gretchen Wieners. Regina gets into sports. Karen does the weather forecasts. Katie's doing the mathlete stuff and like hanging out with her artsier friends. It seems to me like Karen just is tired of everybody calling her stupid, even though arguably <laughs> yeah she has her moments but There's on the 80 percent chance that it's already raining <laughs> yes she seems like she's not trying to do bad by anybody at the beginning of the movie like yeah she plays as ditzy but not malicious for most of the movie and i think that she's not really trying to hurt anyone she just sort of seems like she's a little bit lost herself and i felt bad for karen a little bit in the movie so there it is what do we have up next on the Guild? Okay, so taste of what's to come. What we're looking at in upcoming episodes of the Grounded Learners Guild is we're going to be examining the concept of introverts and how they function in a mostly extroverted world. The three of us introverts are really looking forward <laughs> to sharing our truth with, as well as just really examining how we can reach out to our quieter, more internally driven learners. Then from there, we're going to be doing a very externally driven episode called Designing Adult Learning That Doesn't Suck. And we are actually going to bring back the milk margarita malort game and play it with a very special guest it's always fun we're looking forward to bringing that content to you and that's it for this episode of the grounded learners guild many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with the transparent conversations about the world of education impactful leadership and the power of high functioning teaming if you'd like to connect with the Guild, the power of the PLN continues. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie, using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content and assist others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.